Jesus says, in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. In October of this fall, I went to the parish retreat, which was at Cathedral Ridge. We had 79 people there. It was wonderful. Cathedral Ridge is the Episcopal camp in the mountains outside of Colorado Spring. We had a guest speaker, a priest named Lou, and she was giving a talk on prayer. And in the middle of the talk, she announced that we're going to take a break for bathrooms and for the solar eclipse. I didn't know that the solar eclipse was on the agenda. I had not seen that. So I was surprised. The staff was not surprised. They were unsurprisingly prepared. So the youth minister, Sarah Strand, passed out solar eclipse glasses so that there would be no injuries. We stepped outside. We looked at the solar eclipse. It was dramatic and eerie and wonderful. And then the priest, Lou, invited us back in so that she could finish up and reach her crescendo by talking about prayer as a means of paying attention in union with God. I loved it all, and I was actually quite jealous. Um, I would love to take a break, say, from this sermon and step outside for the solar eclipse and then come back in so that I could reach my crescendo. I mean, it was just so easy and perfect. Jesus says, in those days, after that, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Jesus here at this place in Mark's gospel is, is referring at least to one thing and probably or possibly to a couple of other things. This reading takes place in chapter 13. And in chapter 15, that suffering has to be the crucifixion of Jesus. When darkness falls over the whole land, as Mark tells the story. That's the great suffering that's coming. A second thing that Jesus or Mark, by placing these words right here, could be referring to, is not a solar eclipse, but possibly a lunar eclipse. So NASA has, and I've never said NASA in a sermon before, <laughs> NASA has an amazing website devoted to eclipses. They've studied eclipses going back thousands of years. And NASA is very confident that there was not a solar eclipse when Jesus was crucified. And they're able to know that because Jesus was crucified, we know from the Gospels, after the Passover. And the Passover requires a full moon, so that's an impossibility. But NASA actually believes that in the year 33 AD or CE, when Jesus was died, that there actually was a lunar eclipse that spring. Is that what this passage refers to? Who knows? But maybe, maybe. What's even more likely is that Jesus, these words here and where Mark places them, is referring to the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD. At the beginning of this chapter, for example, 
It starts with a dialogue between Jesus and the disciples about the temple. And Jesus says famously and memorably, there will come a time in which not one stone will be left upon another. So now here at the end of this gospel, that great suffering, or at the end of chapter 13, the great suffering could be the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD, an event unimaginable and unimaginably traumatic for the Jewish people. I'm reminded, I had a New Testament professor who said once that interpreting the Bible as a preacher is like selling real estate. What matters most is location, location, location. Where this passage sits is really important and helps us to make sense of its apocalyptic language. At the end of chapter 13, Jesus does say something that is very um, helpful and achievable. He concludes, after surveying the landscape, that the point is to keep awake. The great Advent message, stay awake, pay attention. This is profoundly helpful because it means that in the face of trauma, in the face of profound difficulty, one shouldn't give up, one shouldn't stop going, one should resist the temptation of nihilism and stay engaged, pay attention, continue to put your heart and your love and everything you have into it, regardless of the circumstances. And keep awake because the master of the house is returning. Who is the master of the house? That's one that we actually do know the answer to. Because this chapter is followed by chapters 14, 15, and 16 in Mark's gospel. Where the one who comes and continues to come is Jesus Christ. In chapter 14... In chapter 14, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper at Passover, associating it with his body and blood. In chapter 15, and in chapter 14, Peter doesn't stay awake. Do you remember that story? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he falls asleep. He falls asleep. In chapter 15, Jesus is crucified. In 1533, darkness falls over the whole land. And in chapter 16, in a mere eight verses, Mark tells the story of Jesus' resurrection and of love that in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what you see, a love that never ends and that's always moving below the surface of whatever we're going through. Keep awake, therefore. Keep awake. Advent is such a beautiful season, isn't it? I love this music. Canon Broderick Greer looks great in blue. <laughs> in the music, just, just this longing, this longing. It's in those minor chords and in that, all those words. It's an incredible season. Advent is a word that means an origin coming, the coming of God, the coming of Christ, the coming of the Spirit, and what Advent is really about from beginning to end for four straight weeks is trying to keep awake 
or as the musicians might say, to be attuned to all the ways in which Christ comes to us. And not just at the first Christmas, at the beginning of Christianity with Christ's birth, and not just at the end of time, the second coming, whatever that means, and no one knows, but all the various comings of Christ in our lives. As we gather, for example, at Holy Communion, Christ always comes to us under the veil of bread and wine to be united with us in the deepest and most internal way of all as we consume his presence and as he consumes us with his love. As we gather as a community in all sorts of ways, and not just formally or liturgically like this, but at receptions, at coffee hours, through telephone calls, emails, however you connect, the body of Christ is one of the best images for what it means to be the church. You and I, you and I in a humble way can be Christ to one another. And that counts and sometimes counts for a whole lot that we can see Christ in one another's gentleness and kindness. Christ comes in all of these ways and a myriad of other spiritual experiences that are hard to put into words. But the common denominator behind all of them is not only that they're hard to put into words, but these spiritual experiences make us more than we could ever be on our own. And so when Advent is the backdrop and this music is the soundtrack to these final words in chapter 13, not just the apocalypse, but Advent, when Advent is the backdrop, Jesus' words about staying awake are not only helpful, but profoundly hopeful. Keep awake, for Christ is coming.